0: You're going where? You're doing what? Are you crazy, Aunt Tam? Make sure you subscribe. Welcome to Many Roads Traveled. I'm Tamara, and I have one question for you. Do you love to travel? Awesome! Or then I invite you to join me on my 30,000-mile road trip from Paris to Cape Town back to Nairobi. One more thing. We'll be traveling back in time to 1993 before the Internet, Google Maps, and cell phones. However, not to worry, because I do give you up-to-date info on each episode. Plus, you can always find more information on my website, ManyRoadsTravel.com. So, without further ado, let's hit the road! Welcome to episode 24! So, on today's episode, we are going to the beautiful little island called Lamu off the Kenyan coast, just down from the Somalian border. And we're going to pack in about 560 miles, taking us up to just over 13,000 miles. And before going further, let's just have a quick update on the podcast journey. So it's going well. I got over 2,000 downloads this week, so that's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Top five countries this week are USA, Canada, UK, France, and Israel. I have now 65 countries that I have listeners from. So that's amazing since one of my goals is to get to 76 countries, which is how many I've been to. So almost there. That's awesome. Okay. And the review of the week. So yeah, make sure you guys leave your reviews. They mean a lot to me for one. And also I read them out every I review every week. Uh, so thank you everyone who has left me reviews. And if you'd like to just go to manyroads travel.com slash Apple, or of course you can leave it on my YouTube Leave a comment on my YouTube videos, which, yep, the YouTube channel is out. That's Many Roads Traveled as well. Or my Facebook page, or on the website, of course, ManyRoadsTraveled.com. Okie doke. So, like I said, review of the week is five stars. It's from Magnificent Maggie. 94, perfect for long car rides. I love your podcast, girl. I've been listening on my drive to and from work. So sad that I finally caught up to this week. Now I have to wait until next week for a new episode. You are hilarious and make me want to travel the world with you. Well, that's awesome, Maggie. Come on, let's go. Let's hit the road. <laughs> I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Okay, so. As you might have noticed from the last episode, I kind of missed out writing in my journal for about three or four weeks. So I don't have dailies. I've kind of got overview of my time in Lamu, which will be fine. Trust me. (laughs) So it was about the 18th of June, my last kind of daily entry. And so been on the road for about five months now almost to the day, because I left on the 17th of January, in 1993, so remember that, how no internet was around cell phones, any of that. You were kind of on your own. However, I, of course, left with my friend Casey, and like I said, if this is your first episode, get back there and watch them all and come along on the whole trip with me. I'm I'm sure you'll have a good time. (laughs) And of course, I always leave updated tips on each destination, each episode, so whenever COVID finally ends, you can, you know, head out into the world and uh, do some crazy adventures. Okay, so, yes, Lamu. Beautiful, beautiful island. And it was Lamu, actually, because Casey, who I left with, and it was his trip. This is his trip he had planned. I had not done that. I was going to... Yacht hop or yacht hitch around the Caribbean. <laughs> if that existed, I didn't know, but I was going to make it exist. So <laughs> that wasn't my plan. So he lent me Lonely Planet Africa on a Shoestring, which I think was probably almost the only guidebook out there at the time. And it was the description of Lamu that sealed the deal, actually. Yeah, so we went six weeks later. But of course, having these high expectations and, of, and my last two months of traveling through Sudan, Eritrea, Ethiopia, which were so hard, like the hardest traveling I, to this day I've ever done in my life. You see, So I've been dreaming about Lamu for months, let alone, you know, months before, before I decided to go on the trip. So I was like, it's, there's no way it could leave up to my uh, expectations You know, that's the problem. I try to always have no expectations or low expectations. So you can only really be pleasantly surprised. So I was, I I was aware of this going, okay, well, you know, happy to say it did meet my expectations. I mean, it wasn't paradise, but it was an awesome, awesome island to just chill out and actually finally have a holiday. (laughs) Like I said, traveling on the road for five months, it's tiring, especially those last two months. So it was perfect, ideal, the tonic I needed for sure. So let's just recap. I'm in Nairobi with Casey. We've met two other Canadian girls called Christine and Susie. So the four of us decided that we were going to do this crazy one night mad dash from Nairobi to Lamu. So we got to the bus station in Nairobi about... Well, I think our bus left at 8.30 p.m. But of course, being Mizungus, which is the Swally, Swahili word for foreigners, we got the last row of seats. You know, those seats that don't recline back. And whenever you hit a pothole, you fly about a foot in the air. Yeah, those were our seats. <laughs> and this was supposed to be the night bus where you can sleep on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think they're better nowadays, but no sleep. Because trust me, there was a lot of potholes. So we were catching a lot of air. Anyways, we finally get to, so you, you go through Mombasa, and then short little stop there, and then you head up to Malindi, which are, they're both on the coast, Kenyan coast. So we got to Malindi about 5 a.m., and we have to wait two hours for our bus to Lamu. Well, while we're waiting, like, we're literally waiting in a swarm of mosquitoes. It was ridiculous for two hours. And also, I was not feeling great, and I also had the runs, so that was awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, our bus left at 7 in the morning from Malindi to Lamu. Now, and I think it's still the case now, but when we were there, for sure, uh, you had to have armed guards on that bus to get up to near, like, the port to go to Lamu because it's being so close to the Somalian border, there was a lot of Somalian pirates who basically knew about this, and they would, you know, attack the buses and just, you know, rob you, like, rob the whole bus of people because it was mostly you know travelers and tourists or even sometimes kidnap westerners so you had to have armed guards on the bus like i said i think that might still be the case because there are still somalian pirates out there so um but you know it was it was fine (laughs) but so just before we get to the port we blow a tire And they're like, well, you guys are going to have to walk the rest of the way, which was about, I don't know, three, at least three kilometers. Now it's midday, hot, blazing African sun. We haven't eaten since the night before. Uh, No sleep. Uh, Like I said, I was feeling like crap. My blood illness was kicked in, so I was inflamed and achy everywhere. But these are times when you just got to suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) So backpack on, which also weighed about 50 pounds. Yeah, but 22, 23 kilos. So we walked... The distance with no armed guards now, so it's like you have that thought in the back of your mind, too. Uh, anyways, we get to the port, get on the ferry, which was basically a boat, <laughs> and luckily it's only about 20 25 minutes to get to the island. Get there, and it is, it's such a sweet island, and also old L- Lamu town, which is pretty much the well, there's another one called shila which is a bit smaller. It's uh, it's the I think the oldest Swahili settlement in East Africa, dating back from the 12th century. So it's, pretty, it's really cool. And there's like old forts there. And all the the houses and buildings are made out like they're kind of townhouses, two to three-story townhouses that are married out of coral stone and all whitewashed, right? So but it's quite small. And like the alleyways are really narrow, cobblestones. It's really, really cute. And it's it was just like, oh. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> Although I was so tired, and all I wanted to do was literally eat, shower, and sleep. But of course, this is sometimes the problem when you travel with other people. Now I've got three other people I'm traveling with. They're like, "No, we want to find the perfect house to rent." Because even now, you can rent the whole houses, kind of thing. They're in a lot better shape. <laughs> I've had a look at this recently. I'm like, "Wow, these are beautiful." So that's nice. You can yeah rent the whole house. So they're like, "No, we got to find the perfect house to rent." I'm like. All right. So we dump our bags in a potential house we're going to rent. And I had met two guys, two South Africa guys in Nairobi, and they give me an address to the house that they rented. So we're looking for this particular house. And then, of course, we're met by the infamous Lamu Beach Boys, which are just a bunch of guys that kind of make their living on, you know, taking travelers to accommodation because they get a kickback. It's kind of like affiliate marketing in a way or things like that, you know arrange stuff for a kickback kind of thing, right? Like, so, which is fair. I mean, that happened, especially in the 90s, everywhere. Like, people did that all the time. Not so much now because, you know, we have the internet and booking.com and Airbnbs and stuff, but it's still, it's still around. So anyways, it was a problem and the the Beach Boys took, uh, found the house for us. So we get there and yeah, it was a two-story house and it had two bathrooms, a kitchen and all all the the four bedrooms are up on the rooftop. So every house has a rooftop kind of thing. You know, um, Christine and Susie were like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. Like, to Casey and I, this was a luxury. This was like, I mean, we've been sleeping on roads in Ethiopia, and every bed in Ethiopia had bed bugs, and it was, you know, so this was just luxury. And even better, it only cost us a dollar twenty-five each a night. And you even got a houseboy with that. So our houseboy was called Bakari, and kind of his job was to, you know, cook for us, clean, that kind of stuff, right? Like, it wasn't derogatory. It was just, that's that's the way it is. It's kind of like having a maid, I guess, but they're just houseboys. So anyways, we decided, yeah, okay, fine, I'm going to take this. So we booked it for 10 nights. And then we finally all had our showers and went, you know, to get something to eat. Like I said, now it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. We hadn't eaten for almost 24 hours. And Lama was also, which I think still is, infamous for their fresh fruit shakes, So, you know, we were like, okay, we got to have one of these. So I had my first one was a banana chocolate shake. And yes, it was delicious. It was about, I don't know, 20 cents or like so cheap. And then we went to what became one of my favorite restaurants, the New Star restaurant. Because, well, it was the cheapest restaurant. And they had awesome shakes too, actually. So for my first meal, I had crab melts, shrimp cocktail, and shark steak with all the trimmings. (laughs) Yet all of that came to $2. fresh seafood I was like oh my gosh I am so gonna love this place which I did yeah and then so after feasting basically uh yeah we just went kind of back to our our house and Casey and I had asked Bakari to get us some some also infamous some llama weed and so back then you had to you could order it like either by the finger so the size of a finger (laughs) a hand or an arm (laughs) So we opted for the hand size because so, we asked him before we left. So by the time we got back, that was there. So Casey and I had a couple of joints and the four of us played cards. I think we brought some beers home. So we ended up staying up till one in the morning, which I couldn't believe. So I guess we got our second wind. But yeah, happy days. It was it was great finally to get to Lamu. And yeah, it like I said, it met my, met my expectations. Although the weather didn't particularly match <laughs> it do much for me because the next day it rained all day and it did that a lot because we were kind of at the end of rainy season so that kind of sucks but so the next day we yeah we just kind of walked around the little town and like i said there's a museum there there's this old fort which i guess used to be for like was a prison but now it's a library so (laughs) complete change there and you know just looked around the shops and everything and then we decided Well, let's buy some food, and Bakari can cook us dinner tonight. So we did that. We bought some fresh crab, and then Bakari whipped us up, cooked that, and then rice, beans, and a veggie dish. Although Susie decided to have a bit of a hissy fit because we were killing live crabs by boiling them, which is kind of what you have to do to cook them and eat them. So, anyway, she went and strop and went into room at eight o'clock at night and just didn't come out. So. Are like okay, (laughs) but that's Susie for you. So yeah, Susie, you know she was like blonde, blue eyed, big tit, (laughs) like you know Canadian chick. But I think quite spoiled, and she kind of had this like she was okay one on one actually, but when she was in a group of people, like she just always cut people down. uh, Probably because of low self esteem, I guess I don't know or spoiled or both, and. And or and you would tell a story or you'd mention something and she'd have to always top it. One of those people, right? So, I yeah, I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to put up with her for 10 days because we were just so opposite. She was quite girly, girly too. But Christine was awesome. She was great. And I hung out with her mostly the whole time I was there. And she was a teacher from West Coast, Canada, Victoria. And her and her boyfriend, JD, had opened a guest house in Malawi in Nakata Bay. So, you know, I was like, OK, well, for sure, I'll come see you and stay with you when I get down there. And she was quite she was quite quiet, but she just was one of these people that came out with hilarious one-liners every once in a while. So she was awesome. So that was cool. Another thing, Susie, I think, fancied Casey. So she was hitting on him all the time, and he wasn't really up for it. So that was quite entertaining to watch, at least. <laughs> anyway, so after we have dinner, we, we're going to go to to one of the bars and like the most infamous bar, which is still there. It's been there for 50 years. It's called the and it's right on the water. So it's a great place to watch the sunset as well. So we're just about to leave. And I was just in the, I was in the bathroom and the three of them went to go out, open the door. And then these three guys came in to the house and were like being I don't know, just weird. So I kind of heard that and I knew that like our, our I didn't know who they were or whatever, but I knew that our our weed was upstairs, like just on the table. So I ran up the stairs and just kinda hid that under one of the mattresses. But the thing is the mattress, like the bottom of the mattress, like the bed, whatever it was, are just slats of wood. So the weed was literally as wide as one of the slats. So it was very kind of precariously placed there. And just kinda grabbed the papers put them in my pocket. But one of the guys had followed, like he followed me up shortly after, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Well, I'm getting money because I forgot it." Who are you? and What are you doing in our house? And by this time, everyone had come upstairs, and they're like, "Well, we're we're police, and we we think you have some marijuana." We're like, "Well, no." <laughs> We don't. And so they're like, and I'm like, they start looking around and everything all through our stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like, where's your search warrant? Like, where, let me, let me see some ID at least. So they show me like the, like anyone could make ID cards. Like I had one made in in Cairo for like student cards. So I know this is possible, especially in Africa. Anything's possible. I'm like, there's no badge or anything like that. It's just these really iffy ID cards. So I'm like, I don't think they're cops. So that kind of, I was like, okay, so it's going to be a battle of the wills. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going to wait until your houseboy comes home. I'm like, well, what does that got to do with anything? Is he like, does he moonlight as a lawyer? Like, what is, what has that got to do with anything? Because they look around, all they could find, there was three seeds in an ashtray and a and a roach. And then one of the guys comes up with a, a jar of basil. He's like, oh, I found their marijuana. And I'm like, that's basil, dude. Like smell it, taste it, it's basil. So now they only have these three seeds and the roach. But then one of the guys sits on the bed that the dope's on. And I'm like, oh my God, like literally if it moves half an inch, it's just going to drop to the floor and everyone's going to see it. And now we're in more trouble. So I'm kind of sweating it out. And Bakari finally comes home an hour later. So these guys are hanging in our house for an hour and just look like just being dicks. So Bakari comes in and he's like, Yeah, they are police. And I'm like, okay, so you're in on this because how would they? We just this is our second night. How would they even know we're here and that we smoked dope? You know what I mean? You're the one that got it for us. So you're in on this scam for sure, too, you bastard. (laughs) I go, okay, fine. Arrest us. Let's go to the police station then, because like I said, I don't believe they're cops. Well, then they're like, well, no, we're going to arrest all four of you because the girls didn't smoke. It was just me and Casey's. And they were kind of freaking out a bit. I could tell. And we're going to arrest all four of you. And you're going to have to stay in a jail cell until we send these three seeds and roach back to Mombasa. And they test it and send the results back. And we set a court date. You're going to be in a jail cell the whole time. All four of you. Total BS. (laughs) But I don't, like the girl, you know, I'm like, I don't want to stress the girls out anymore. Even though I know it's BS. And I know they wouldn't even take us to the police station because I don't believe they're cops. So I'm like, how much? They're like a hundred US dollars. I'm like, not happening, <laughs> nope. So finally bargained them down to $60, bri- basically bribery, right? So yeah, so Casey and I have to give them $30 US each, which really was sucked and was annoying because like I said, like we were living, we could probably live off $5 a day easy for everything in Lamo at the time. So that was almost a whole week's budget. The only good thing is that, cause I've, you know, being in Africa for so long and meeting the travelers, yeah, this is a total scam. But the thing is, once you get scammed once, at least they leave you alone. So, and we caught to keep our dope because they couldn't, didn't find the main dope. Oh, but super annoying. So the next kind of nine days overview, it rained a lot, like I said, which kind of sucked. So we did spend a lot of time in the house playing a, a lot of cards. <laughs> also spent a lot of time at Paponi's, the bar. And it was great because we met lots of awesome people. Like I met... This this guy, Jack, he was a 61-year-old 60, British guy, and he was basically a local legend because he'd lived in Lamu for two years, but he'd been coming back and forth for years before that. And he was a character, like he could have been a stand-up comic. He was so funny. So I had a lot of laughs with him. Then I'd also met uh, these two really nice British girls, Sophie and Roisin. And one of the days we decided to go out and like the six of us ran to Dow. And you kind of can go to this Mandy Island, it's called. And I guess the, that's apparently the most beautiful sunsets is to see on the Dow. So we get, you know, plus we're cruising around a little bit. So we get about half, we're halfway out. And this massive storm came out of nowhere. And like, it felt like we were in a typhoon or something. <laughs> it just came like that. And of course, now it's dark. And the winds were just like hurricane level. It was just like, oh. And I hate wind. Like, that's one of my fears. I call it windophobia. I'm literally almost having heart attacks. Like, a dhow is just a wooden boat, like, kind of like a felucca we were on in in Egypt. Like, they've been around for a long, long time, but they don't feel the most secure. I mean, they're just kind of big wooden canoes with the sail. I mean, that's pretty much it. So we are just being, like, tossed around. I'm like, we are going to die for sure. Drowning for sure. Or I'll have a heart attack with the wind. Either way. Because, of course, no life jackets. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Anyways, our dude, like, he managed to sail us out of there in one piece. And we got back to shore. Didn't make it to Mandy Island, unfortunately. But we lived. So that was the big plus. So that was one of our day outs. <laughs> and, we, you know, I did make it to the beach a few days. And the first day we went, which is me and the girls, we went and it a it's a beautiful walk because it's about a forty five minute walk from old Lamu town. And the beach is huge and super long and beautiful. And then in the back like the backdrop is all sand dunes with, you know, kind of sandy vegetation. I don't know what kind of vegetation, but you know, it's so there's dots of green everywhere. And I think the most I ever saw on the beach was like twenty people scattered about. Like so you kinda had it to yourself. It was amazing. So one night one day, yeah, we're me and the girls are just, you know, suntanning, mind our own business. And this guy comes out from the sand dunes and walks down to the water buck naked. (laughs) But he was really fit and tanned all over, no tan lines. And obviously it was liking the attention because the three of us are like, woohoo, nice. (laughs) So yeah, he went for a swim and then we're just watching him. I mean, that's the most action I'd seen for months. So, and then he comes out of the water and he stands with his hands over his head and just kind of posing for ages. (laughs) We're just like, Okay. Yep. Nice willy, dude. Uh, Yeah, put on a towel and just walked off. So that was our excitement, really. And then, like I said, Bakari was supposed to be, you know, clean and cook. But then after that incident, I didn't trust him at all. So I decided, okay, I'll just take over cooking. I mean, we, I didn't cook a lot. But you know, it was nice when you have a house, you haven't been had a house for five months. So yeah, so we went shopping and oh my god, the seafood was so fresh and so cheap. It was ridiculous. Like we could buy a kilo of king prawns for a four dollars. Like whole king crabs or king crabs by the kilo were a dollar twenty-five. Fresh red snappers, sixty cents a kilo. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So, you know, make up some garlic butter. And where you go, basically, you gotta be, you gotta a feast, some rice, whatever. So yeah, so I cooked a few times, but we often usually ate at the restaurants because they were um, almost as cheap, really. <laughs> and you have to work, so that's well, that's my favorite. Oh, and then one night, Roisin and Sophie came back to our, our house, and Casey fancied Sophie actually, <laughs> so that was quite amusing. But I don't know what happened. We it was so funny the the four of us because like I said, Christine and Susie didn't smoke. We just kept getting, like, higher and higher and higher, but without really smoking anything more. (laughs) So we were just like, what is happening? This is crazy. So me and the girls decided, all right, let's just dance it off, which it worked. Meanwhile, Casey turned into Paranoia Man, and he was just like, oh, no, we've been spiked. It's been spiked. I'm like, spiked with what, dude? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Casey's Paranoia Man came out quite often after we got, you know, the scam bus, whatever. I think four different nights, he would throw, like, just become super paranoid and throw away our dope. And then, of course, I would just retrieve it <laughs> and put it in my room, because <laughs> the next night he'd want some. So I'd be like, oh, my gosh, stop it. Just calm down. But that night with Roshina, so it was hilarious, because we were, he was just going a bit crazy, and we were just dancing, like, crazy. So <laughs> it was all good. The girl, we were all right, because <laughs> he was just, like, said, paranoid, man. Anyway, so that kind of sums up. We just ate a lot, chilled out. Like I said, it was like finally getting a holiday in my traveling, basically. So after 10 days, Christine and Susie left. And then Casey and I decided we we're going to stay a bit longer. But Bakari had to go to Melindi for a while. So he's like, well, how many more nights are you going to stay? And I actually, I really didn't know. But Casey's like, oh, I'll, I'll take it for another six nights. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take it for another three nights. So we paid, but I did end up staying for six more nights, so that's okay. I was like, he owed me. It doesn't affect him at all, right? So yeah, so now we had to pay $2.50 a night because there's only two of us. (laughs) But the day after the girls left, I met this lovely Aussie guy, Craig, who was 28 at the time, so I was 23. And we just really hit it off from like, you know, day one kind of thing. So we hung out quite a bit and we're chatting and then realized that we wanted to do similar things and go the same direction in Africa. So that's when I decided, okay, when you leave Lamu, I'm going to come with you. And we'll travel together for a little while. And yeah, it was time for me and Casey to go our separate ways. Yeah, basically it's come to an end, our five and a half month dynamic duo. But it was okay. Cause it like, we still, we left on good terms, but we were really kind of sick of each other to be honest. Like, I still love him. But yeah, it was it was time to do our and he felt the same way. So, you know, it was all good. Yeah. So and I also met another two guys, American guys. One guy was called Cam and he was like this young, preppy, cute, but really annoying when he talked guy. So it was just like if he kept his mouth shut, no problem. But he was waiting for his brother, Bo, to come. And then Bo came the next day and Bo was like this six foot five dreadlocks down to his butt hippie dude who was so lovely like he was really cool so I basically hung out with those guys for my last few days in Lamu and like I said before you know Lamu well kind of their catchphrase whatever motto I guess is is pole pole which in Swahili means go slow and that is Lamu which is what I needed and loved about it it was like pole pole (laughs) and also in Lamu there's no cars like the only cars there are is the car for the governor and an ambulance for donkeys because <laughs> there's only donkey carts there and there's even a donkey sanctuary. So donkeys are huge. So no ambulance for real for people, but there's an ambulance for donkeys and that's it. Which is nice as well because no traffic. It was just like, oh, yeah, so I absolutely love Lamu and I actually go there again on my way back up. So I rarely go to somewhere twice. So that's how much I loved it. So yeah, so next episode will be me out on my own away from Casey. So make sure you tune in till next Thursday to hear all about that, where Craig and I head down to the Kenyan coast to Malindi and Mombasa, and then back to Nairobi. So like I say, it's always good to subscribe so you don't miss a step along the way. And now it's time for Tam's Top Tips. So tip number one be go to Lamu. (laughs) Whenever COVID ends, go. It's because I think it's going to change quite drastically because I guess there's this multi-million dollar huge development on the Lamu Harbor, which like hopefully the local people will make more money, but probably not. So yeah, go there now while you can. And also did I say like Lamu Old Town is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So yeah, go okay well that would be kind of going into tip two <laughs> tip number two would be go in the dry season between July and October or January February rainy it doesn't usually rain all day like anywhere in Africa or any tropical place kind of things but sometimes it does and for us it did rain quite a lot and we were there like this was now end of June July so we're almost in the like I said tail end and yeah for as part of tip two, like yeah, like I said, the UNESCO World Heritage. So yeah, go check out the old fort. And like I said, there's another little town called Sheila, which some people prefer staying there now because it's a little bit quieter. Like Old Lamu Town is pretty quiet, <laughs> but Sheila there's another place. And like I said, you can uh, you can still rent houses, but they look a lot more luxurious uh, than I when I was there. But they're still pretty cheap. So I think the average is between like fifteen to twenty five U.S. dollars per person per night for a double room or the houses I'm not sure if that's the whole house or just a double room so you'd have to check into that because I couldn't find much info myself but that's fine like it's sometimes a lot better especially in smaller places to book accommodation locally because you can also bargain with them a bit and and check it out see it before you you pay kind of thing right so that's not a problem with me for me for traveling kind of thing tip number three would be yes take it down not in a storm. <laughs> <laughs> much more relaxing yeah take the dow and watch the sunset and go to the mandi beach when i was there it was an uninhabited now there's of course a five-star resort there but <laughs> well, i guess you go there to eat apparently the food's pretty good so like again you can still get the buses from nairobi to lamu and they are now between seven to ten dollars or you can also fly, but I'm all about budget and sustainable travel. So, you know, if you can get a bus, take the bus. Just look, look after our planet, right? But if you wanted to fly, it's about 130 to 180 dollars return from Nairobi to Lamu. And then you'd have to get an airport boat transfer, which is about 10 bucks. I guess food's still pretty cheap. You can still get meals from $1 to $5 a meal. And like I said, the shakes, you got to try the fruit shakes and obviously seafood. I ate seafood every day. I was very happy. (laughs) So don't eat red meat. So I was like, woohoo, especially for so cheap. Okay. And then my tip for solo female travel is, yeah, Lamu is really, really safe. And there's also um, yoga, I guess. Annual yoga retreat started five years ago or so. So that's in November first to the fourth or something like that. But there's lots of places where you can do yoga kind of all year round. So if you're into that, go for it. But like I said, lamu for female travelers, very safe, not a problem. Yes, okay, you have to get have guards on your bus. (laughs) And yes, there is the probably still the marijuana scams. So if you smoke, just beware of that. And like I said, don't go on a Dow. Although there was no storm when we went out, like it just literally came out of nowhere. So but yeah, it's safe. Not a problem. And you'll meet other travelers, especially at Poloni's, that bar, which is great. So uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Okay, so I think that is a wrap for this week. So yeah, make sure you, like I said, make sure you subscribe. And of course, get over the website where I've put up every month I'm going to solo travel, like hotel or holiday deals kind of thing. Plus, of course, the blog posts and stuff like that. All right. So that's manyroadstravel.com. And we'll see you next Thursday. Until then, safe travels. One more time.